<laughs> this is Shameful Gone Sexy with me, Dr. Jocelyn Hart. Here, I share my truth from personal and professional experience in how to change your life. No fluff. Listen up, because I'm saying fuck you to fear, fuck you to judgment, and fuck you to anything and everyone who has kept you exactly where you are. I'm calling bullshit on behavioral mindset that's actually keeping you on that ruthless roller coaster. We are ditching the shackles of shame and instead lighting a fire up your asshole to get rid of the emotional constipation so you can be free to live as exactly who you are and love yourself for it. I'm going to share some discoveries that are going to make sense like nothing has made sense before. From the real reasons we binge to how we find our purpose, it's all on the table. I'm not here to inspire. I'm here to empower you to do exactly what it is you already want to do. Just like me, you've been through the trenches. Now you're claiming the trauma and I'll show you how to transform it into a fulfilling happiness you didn't think was possible. Trust yourself to take the ride. It won't disappoint. You are worthy. You are enough. And you are sexy as hell. Much love. And here we go. All right. Hello, Jocelyn. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. So glad to be here. And I mean, there's so many things that we could talk about, but I think today... The focus is going to be what I see you as an expert in of boundaries. And I've struggled with this. And I know a lot of my friends, family, listeners have also struggled with this. So I was just wondering if you could maybe explain off the bat, what are boundaries? Mm. Boundaries are basically a way for you to voice what you need from somebody. Okay. That's kind of a more simple than I thought. I thought it was going to be like, oh, all these needs and things like that. One of the things that I guess when I hear voice your needs is, well, how do I know what my needs are and what are needs in general? So how does someone figure that out to even be able to voice it? So I always provide for people, uh, Tony Robbins has six basic human needs, human emotional needs. And so I always use those as a go-to for explaining explaining what those are, especially the first four in particular. So the first one is a level of safety. The second one is a level of stimulus and variety. The third one is love and connection. And the fourth one is a sense of significance and value. And there's a lot of different words that can be replaced with any of those given words, but those are typically the words that I use with people in order for them to to voice what it is that they need with somebody so that it doesn't have to feel super complicated because most people don't know what their needs are. Mm -hmm. So how do we actually start getting in touch with what those needs are? It's really, I think what you shared is really helpful to have the framework. And even then when you're like experiencing a feeling or something, it can be like, I don't even know what I'm feeling, let alone what I'm needing, let alone what I'm voicing. So where's the point of like getting into it to be a beginner? who's trying to set their boundaries. Where should yeah. start? I think the first thing that's really helpful is actually to identify what the feelings are. And a lot of people don't actually have a very good idea of what it is that they're actually feeling. Most people have a very, very limited 
vocabulary when it comes to how they're feeling. Um, and so I give to people a very simple list of emotions with different categories of like, you know, if, if it's sad, there's a lot of different words that, that also mean sad. If it's happy, there's a lot of other words that mean happy. So there's just several categories that I often give to people so that they can look at it and start to become familiar with what it is that they actually are feeling. Because ultimately, if you know how you are feeling, instead of just this generalized feeling of feeling shitty or feeling like, you know, gross or whatever it is, like words get to be so much more colorful <laughs> once you know and I can identify what they are, right? So that's what I would say is to start with that. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the list that you've, you're talking about and I've used it myself. And one of the things that I think can be really helpful about it is from my perception, oftentimes we have those like kind of primary feelings like anger, sadness, um, whatever else ones they may be. And we often don't go there. Like for myself personally, anger is like the core feeling, but I would say, oh, I'm frustrated or I'm overwhelmed, which are other words for essentially the same feeling. So it's, I guess, could you kind of speak to do people struggle to actually admit when they're feeling something? I think it has to do with the word that you're using. So some people really don't identify with the word anger. Some people don't really identify with the word sad. Most people can identify with some level of anxiety <laughs> and yeah. any word that has to do with it. A lot of people can do that, right? But that's one of the reasons why I have so many words beneath each of the categories because it kind of helps people to recognize, oh, feeling frustrated is the same thing as anger or feeling irritated is the same thing as anger or whatever it is because people can identify with, with those words a lot easier if they've had some sort of situation in the past where like anger was, you know, oftentimes I will say anger has been distorted to a bad thing. Like mm -hmm. anger is associated with a level of aggression and most people kind of will <laughs> say things like I'm not an angry person or, you know, whatever, like the word anger couldn't possibly be what they're feeling because then that ultimately can make them feel like they are something, they are something similar to somebody that's been hurtful. Um, and it's just not the truth, you know? And so that's kind of, I always find language is extremely powerful. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, language is definitely really powerful and it's like the beginning of, I don't, of getting clarity and you can't try and change something or let alone express it to someone else. If we go back to the definition of voicing your needs, if you can't identify it yourself to begin with. And I guess going off of that, one of the things that I think comes up when people start identifying their feelings is maybe getting lost in them. Is there a yep. way that, I don't know, you can feel the feelings without being completely overwhelmed by them? Because then the idea of even going from there and communicating it is like, well, I'm stuck in this sea of like, I don't even know where to go. I don't, I'm just like drowning here. Yep. I always suggest to people that you kind of, process the emotion a little bit first before coming to a conversation with somebody, because ultimately if you are really drowning in that emotion, 
it's, it's going to be a bit harder to really voice what you want to voice. Um, so if you're feeling really irritated, let's just say, if you're feeling really irritated with a situation or with somebody or whatever, it's, I always find that it's best to process it. And I work with people to help them be able to do that in a way that feels comfortable. Cause one of the ways to do that is to scream into a pillow or to thrash your body or whatever it is. Some people aren't quite ready for those for that level of processing anger. So it really depends on where you're at in order to process any given emotion. But long story short, when you find those ways that work for you, do that. You've mm -hmm. got to do that first because then you can come into it with a clearer, clearer mind so that what you're saying is as powerful as you want it to be. Yeah. So it sounds like almost an exploration of not only getting a vocabulary, around your feelings, but then how to express it and what is a, an air of channel that you're comfortable with, whether that's screaming into a pillow or, you know, some people punch pillows or whatever it may be, but there's some way of like, I have to feel this. I have to experience this. I have to just let it flow through me. Otherwise, maybe that's why when we try, when I thought of boundaries in the past, it was like, oh, they're selfish or it's a barrier to communication and people won't love me if I do this, all those sorts of things come up. And I think when you try to come from a place of communication, if I'm still in the anger and I try to voice my needs to someone, it can become, that's when communication becomes aggressive or, you know, you say things in the heat of the moment that you maybe don't mean. So I think what you're saying is like process it on your own, however you need to process it. And then we can start looking into voicing what the need is, what the feelings were in a kind of a healthy conversation. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So if someone is starting to process these feelings and they're starting to think about their needs, what do you think prevents people from communicating them? Because it's one thing, like I can get a handle on how I'm feeling, but I think one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, if they're like a people pleaser or they're raised in an environment where you know, people, we didn't talk about our needs, we didn't voice them. How do I actually start communicating them in a way that like, I'm not afraid or scared, or having a trauma response of, well, people will just stop talking to me, they won't love me. So it's easier just to not talk about them. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I have kind of the framework of what I call Foppins, it rhymes with Mary Poppins, so that you can remember <laughs> it. So there's multiple components to it. Very simple, F-O-P-N-S, Foppins. Feeling, you got to identify the feeling and communicate the feeling. The observation, which is the facts of what's happening. The perspective of it, which is not always the reality, but it's how you're perceiving it. The need, expressing the need. So from that, that list that I mentioned earlier and the solution as well, that's really important. And the reason why it's, I find it's very important to, to use all of these components is because if you're missing any given part of this equation, so to speak, of a healthy conversation, it's not going to be quite as powerful as you, you're hoping for it to be. And there's going to be some holes for somebody to potentially respond in a way that's not how you hoped for it to happen. So if you're expressing your feelings, somebody recognizes how their behaviors are impacting you, which most of the time we're not terribly um, practiced in, in voicing those feelings. 
about how somebody's actions have have impacted us. And that to another human hearing that, it already kind of places them in a place where they are not the one in the power seat because they recognize now because you've said it that something has impacted you and because you have the vocabulary you can really say what you mean instead of i feel bad or i i don't feel good or you know whatever like you can use real words to describe how how you're feeling the observation of it is also you know it's it's a fact so if somebody was speaking over you or whatever it is like stating it as it is but if it's something like a perception like a a how you perceive it to be like if someone was using a tone with you or something like that like that's a perception even if it feels very very true if there's any level of place where somebody could say no i wasn't like just put it as a perception because otherwise like the there's a hole in the in your in your in your argument so to speak right <laughs> and so that kind of creates that space where it's like from my perception you were using a tone with me right because then it's very clear you've stated it as a perception so up until this point so we have two more letters but we've got the feeling that we express we have the situation that's happening we also have the 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 perception of the situation and then we get to express what the need is right so the needs that we mentioned earlier a sense of safety or security or a level of stimulus or variety a level of significance value or a level of love and connection right so we get to voice what need we have and the last letter is the solution so when you're expressing this boundary it's also helpful to be very clear about what your proposed solution is to this so that you're you're kind of wrapping it up you're kind of wrapping it all together like hey this is my experience of of what's occurred and here's a way that I feel like we could move forward, you know? So you've really made it so that that person is really just hearing everything you have to say. And that's a very empowering feeling. Yeah. When you actually start saying things and when you follow this process, I would encourage all the listeners to go back and re-listen to Foppins because it is gold. I use it myself and I have seen changes in how I show up for myself and interact with other people too. And one of the things, like you did such a great job describing it, and from my experience using it, one of the things that's helped me with especially the observation and distinguishing it from perspective is I like to think of the observation as like whatever a camera can record. Because a camera just records audio and video without judgment. And so I just think of myself as that camera, like when I saw you pick this up or it doesn't record the tone of voice or like a perception of it. And so that's been useful for me in trying to figure it out because especially when we get into these heated moments where there's all these feelings wrapped up in it, we can confuse what happened with, you know, our perspective of how it happened. So that's something that's helped me. And I guess one of the things that I'm kind of curious about as we talk about this, it's a lot about communicating needs with other people, but is it possible to have boundaries with ourselves as well? Yes, there is. Yep. Yep. And boundaries with yourself 
can be a bit tricky, right? It, it requires practice because we can often identify what it is that we need to do, but the follow through is often the, the challenging part, the actual follow through of that boundary. And that, and that can be that, and that can be a situation with um, setting boundaries with other people too. But especially it seems that with ourselves, like we know what we need to do, but oftentimes it can be difficult. And so, so yes, you can. And it does require a bit of processing why it's challenging for you to actually keep those boundaries with yourself. Mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of leads into the next step of boundaries after we figured out our feelings and our needs and we process them and now we're starting to communicate them is like once you've stated a boundary, which is great, beautiful, like pat yourself on the back. It's definitely difficult in the beginning, but then the next step, it sounds like you're saying is like reinforcing it. It's not like, Oh, I put this out there and then I fall back into old behaviors. Cause I feel like that's potentially something that's pretty common is like you state a boundary, but then it comes up again and you're almost tested. So how do we have the follow through? How do we stick to what we've actually said? Yeah. With other people or with yourself? I guess with both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with other people, it's not uncommon that you may have to repeat your boundary a couple times just because it is a new thing that someone gets to get used to really. Um, like a new way of behaving, right? In whatever situation it is that you outlined. The thing is though, this is just an important side note. If you have voiced a boundary a few times and somebody still is repeating the same things that have impacted you, please re- just review over whether this person is a person that needs to be in your life. Because ultimately, if you've expressed all of those components about how it's impacting you, it's really important to use this as very clear information about that. But very important side note. I didn't love myself. I judged myself every time I looked in the mirror and I was obsessed with food. I struggled with a lot of inner chaos. I didn't know how to have compassion for myself. If you need somebody who understands that feeling so that you can move through that to ditch food obsession and embrace self-love, hit me up on IG at D-R-J-O-C-E-L-Y-N-H-A-R-T-E at Dr. Justin Hart on IG so we can chat. So there's that. And, and of course, you know, we get to repeat boundaries for ourselves too. But like I said, in terms of actually like keeping boundaries with yourself, you do get to process through some of the trauma responses that you have as to like why you're not actually upholding them. A lot of people feel like there's some kind of willpower problem or a mindset problem, but it's just not true. Ultimately, if you are trying to reinforce a boundary through willpower and just trying to like make yourself do it. If you were to think of yourself as a young person, right? Like four years old and you're trying to make them do something, they're probably not going to do it. You know, (laughs) they're probably not, especially, you know, we, we tend to say things to ourselves that are not very helpful when we don't follow through with something like, you know, blaming ourselves, like what's wrong with me or, you know, trying to figure out like, you know, all criticizing ourselves really. And it gets to be so much kinder than that so we kind of get to process through why that's happening because ultimately otherwise you're fighting with the largest part of the iceberg where much of the time like we try and deal with these behaviors from the tip of the iceberg which is what you can see above the water but below the water 98% of the of 
where the behavior is coming from is below the water. And so if you're trying to willpower your way through it, that's going to be very, very exhausting. And that's why most people feel quite exhausted with anything that has to do with boundaries. (laughs) And a lot of, you know, a lot of people get wrapped up in things like that with resolutions and stuff, you know, it's just like, but there's nothing wrong with you. It's simply that you get to go about it in a way that's far more sustainable. Um, So just being cognizant of where you're putting your energy. Are you putting it towards dissolving that 98% or are you you really just trying to chip away at the top, you know? Mm -hmm. So it almost sounds like boundaries are, as they come up, as we try to set them and then reinforce them, the little traumas or our little inner one, the little child that's within us is maybe the force that's, oh, don't say that. Oh no, we can let go this time because is it that need for security, that need for connection and love, going back to that, worried about, you know, if we restate this, people won't love us. Because as you said, that really important reminder of if someone is repeatedly not respecting your boundaries when you've stated it again and again and again, is that someone you want in your life? It can be painful to let go of people, whether it's friend, family, whatever. So is that the iceberg that we're looking at here underneath, is that mostly just the subconscious programming from our childhood or what is it that we're up against here? Yep. Yep. It is. It's, it is the subconscious where there's a lot of imprinting that happens, especially between the ages of zero and five. We are sponges, sponges when we are zero to five, you know, learning how to interact with the world to learn how we can meet our needs. Because ultimately, all of our needs have to be met in some way. And we will learn how that works best for us. If we don't feel safe, maybe we ran away and maybe we stayed in our room. Maybe we kept our mouths shut so that, you know, dad didn't get upset or um, so that we could keep the peace or whatever it is or to keep from getting yelled at or whatever or to you know maybe you are extremely meticulous you know because anytime you cleaned your room you were celebrated you know there's so many things you know maybe it's um, a level of, of stimulating yourself and like maybe you know that wasn't something that was provided to you um, and maybe like you just have like a lot of fidgeting issues, like you you really fidget or like you do a lot of repetitive behaviors, like pulling your eyebrows out or whatever it is. People just like have that difficulty as well or distraction, dissociating away from the situation that's in front of you because that has worked for you in the past. You know, so all of these different things ultimately are ways of getting those needs met. But, you know, for a very classic example of, you know, maybe it's going to bed uh, before 11, or maybe it's waking up at five in the morning to exercise or something, right? Going to bed before 11 sometimes can be really hard for people because they don't feel safe at night, you know, and that's a lot of where behaviors can often come to like binge eating and things like that, because we're ultimately in a more vulnerable state, especially when we feel like alone or disconnected or whatever it is. And so we get to address the actual needs that we have and and address like, why are we feeling unsafe? Why are we feeling, you know, like we have a lack of connection? Why are we feeling we have to externalize those things? We get to move through like, where is this coming from? 
And more often than not, when you really process through it, process through the trauma, it's from from those very, very young fundamental ages where we learn who we are in the world and how we interact with the world and how that can keep us in a safe place, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say about all these different behaviors and especially coming out at night. And it all seems like it's coming from this like lack of connection from with yourself and you were talking about asking yourself why is this coming up and digging deeper and digging deeper and digging deeper so boundaries are almost like the gateway to this larger picture here well I guess the larger iceberg that you're talking about of what needs do I have how am I currently meeting them whether it's the fidget behavior or the binge eating or you know, all of these, we wouldn't do these behaviors as much as we maybe hate them. Like when I struggled with binge eating, still kept doing it. We can't like willpower, as you said, our way out of it. So it's getting into, okay, why is this behavior happening? I'm meeting these needs with this behavior. How can we meet them in a different way? And it's having that deeper conversation with ourselves. And one of the things that you mentioned as well was externalizing. So is it, is there a connection here between boundaries and maybe our own connection with ourselves and our inner world and trying to get those needs met with the external. And is, does that, I'm imagining it creates that conflict between like, I'm currently putting a lot of my needs being met externally, whereas this process of getting connected to my own needs and my own boundaries is like causing almost a rift because I can see how eventually you cross over the bridge of like, here, I mean, my needs externally and I'm, there's a bridge to, oh, now I'm going to meet them internally and I'm going to voice them. But that bridge might be like a rickety, one of those step ladder ones in the beginning. And slowly, maybe with time, it gets stronger and becomes like a nice wood bridge. How do we actually start reflecting internally? Are there questions that we should start asking ourselves or If trauma does come up, how do we actually deal with that to be able to make it to the other side of the bridge? Number one is connection to yourself. What is connection to yourself? Well, connection (laughs) to yourself is really starting to, I will say this too, for those listeners that are like, number one, what even is that connection to yourself? But also um, not everybody, many, many people, most people require somebody to be with them when they're connecting to themselves, because it's not always easy to sit with yourself and just feel your feelings. That's not something that most people do ever, unless they're in some kind of mindfulness class. And even then you may very well be quite distracted (laughs) and just your mind's still buzzing, right? So we get to be seen in that with somebody that we trust. Some people, some people, it's uh, you know, perhaps their mom, perhaps it's a coach, perhaps it's your therapist, whatever it is, just a space that feels extremely safe. That's the most important thing. Safety is always the most important thing. A place that feels extremely safe for you to to do that. Like it's safe to feel your feelings. Because ultimately, yeah, if you've got that rickety bridge, right? It's because we get to bring in the nails and the, you know, whatever else the bridge is made of. <laughs> and and that, that's from connecting to yourself, connecting to yourself, connecting to yourself. And when you have somebody else there, it helps you to do that. So you feel safe so that those planks that are 
you know, building up this bridge and these nails aren't going to fall down into the water and just be washed away. Like you will feel like a new programming of it's safe to feel my feelings. Like nothing bad is happening when I do this, because again, a lot of times people have a, a past where it's not safe to feel your feelings. Like something bad will happen if you feel your feelings, which is why most people shove it down. But ultimately, like that's what I feel like is is really, really important is to have somebody with you to do that. Because as easy as it sounds to sit with yourself and sit with your feelings, that's not, it's not that simple. <laughs> yeah. it's, and and most, I imagine most of the listeners can, can ident- identify with some level of this. Because you can really only go so deep sometimes with with truly feeling and connecting with yourself, which is where mm-hmm. the externalization comes from. It's easier to connect to something outside of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, highlighting what you said about safety and having that safe space, that safe container, and you can only go as deep. I've heard, like if I were to teach someone, I can only teach them as deep as I've been. So if we're coming from this place of like, I'm just starting to feel my feelings. I don't even know what my needs are. I'm just starting to identify them. It's like learning to ride a bike. You won't know in the beginning you'll fall over or going back to this bridge analogy of like, it's a rickety rope bridge having like doing an apprenticeship. So you're being supervised by someone else as you build this bridge. So like you said, it doesn't just fall apart and wash away because as you start to be witnessed by that person, by your mentor, whoever it may be, coach, therapist, family member, friend, whatever, whoever, as you start to do this more and more, you're adding another nail, another board, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, but you need that safety, that supervision as you're going through the process, because otherwise the bridge could just fall apart and then you don't even know where to go from there. And it's, it's something that builds over time. That's what I'm hearing you say, at least like, set yourself up for success by having the support that you need. Yes. And I will add into that for anybody listening who is like I was where it's like, I don't need anybody. I can do it myself. Right. And, or not feeling safe to reach out for help. If it's not like a set up container, like a formal container, if it's not like a formal container, like a a coach or a therapist or something, if it's difficult for you to reach out, schedule it. It's critical that you schedule it like weekly calls with somebody. It does not have to be more than five, seven minutes. It gets to be just a consistent space for you to tap into the emotions that you're feeling, the feelings that you're feeling in your body and connecting with yourself. It doesn't take very long, truly five minutes. That's what it takes. But if you don't have that space set up and scheduled ahead of time, I always suggest the same time every week is ideal. So most of the time, night nighttime like is easiest for most people to connect with with other people, um, just con- for convenience of how life works. Um, having that set up is going to really help, especially if you identify as a people pleaser and or avoiding things that are hard, which is most people to an extent. If it doesn't feel safe to feel your feelings, it's going to be very un- feel very unsafe to reach out to feel your feelings, right? It's like almost stacked on top of it. So it's that consistency because again, safety, certainty, you know, if you can build that already, you're creating the framework for that bridge. You've already got a blueprint, you know, you can try and figure it out <laughs> without the blueprint. You can try to do right by yourself. Absolutely. Like go, go for it. That didn't work for me. That did not work for me. 
and it took practice. But in this way, I don't have to feel vulnerable reaching out. I already have the certainty that that person wanted to hold the space for me because they have it in their schedule. <laughs> and you, you get to reciprocate the same thing to the other person. So it's not necessarily, you know, you, you using the space only, like you get to provide that space for somebody else as well. Yeah. And I think it comes back to like, if you schedule it in the consistency, having that security that maybe was listening and that you're afraid of, if we go back to childhood, if that's where this comes from, the iceberg of if I state these things, I may or may not be heard, but this person, like you said, put it in their schedule. So they're showing up and you're showing up for yourself too. And so I think that builds that level of like safety and I can actually go through this feeling supported as I'm building this bridge. Um, and it's not going to fall from underneath me. And one of the things that also you mentioned, like people pleasing, I think a lot of people who struggle with boundaries probably self-identify as having some level of people pleasing or being a full on people pleaser. Could you just speak to how maybe these two things of being a people pleaser and struggling with boundaries are related? Yep. Yep. So that's one of the reasons why I have the framework of FOPNs, F-O-P-N-S, the feelings, observation, perspective, need, and solution is because when we don't have that framework, more or less, it's very easy for us to almost tone down how we were impacted. It's not okay if someone hurts you in some way. Um, it's not okay. So most of the time we'll say, oh, it's, it's fine. It's okay. You know, don't worry about it. Or, you know, we'll say, you know, we won't really say exactly how we felt and we'll use words like just, it's just this, or it's just, no, it's not just that. Like it's, it's, it hurt. And so th in this way, you can make sure that your points are made and you don't feel quite so vulnerable because you have this, you know, tried and true script almost to use. And sometimes that may require you to practice what you were going to say using this framework. Um, you don't have to use this framework if you don't want to, it, but I noticed that it's going to, it saves most people a hell of a lot of energy <laughs> and thoughts and going back and forth with what should I text this person or what should I say or whatever. It just takes all that out of it. But just know that if you are voicing what it is in your boundaries and somehow still using this framework, somehow still the person is not receiving it. Again, assess that relationship because this is not the same situation as when you were younger. When you were younger, if you expressed your feelings or your needs or whatever, most people, that was not a safe thing to do in some capacity. Like, you know, don't cry or be quiet or stop stomping or go to your room or whatever. Like if that's still happening in your life, that's, that's providing you evidence that you don't need in your life anymore. You actually have the resources to let that person go. You are not reliant on that person. They are not your caregiver. You get to choose. There's many, many people out there. And although it feels scary to let people go because it, it does feel familiar and secure and safe, but does it, if you can't voice your boundaries, I would argue that it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just want to echo that too of if someone is repeatedly not listening to your boundaries or going against them, you are grown up. And I believe in the strength of like the human, of all humans, just within you, the spirit, the human spirit 
you can do these things that are hard and it will be hard and it will be scary. And especially in the beginning, when you're doing this for maybe the first time and the survival mechanism comes up of like being accepted by the group and, and your inner child thinks like, oh, I won't be cared for. And it becomes a feeling of almost life and death at times. And you could still overcome it. And I just want to reiterate that because it can just feel so hard and you can do it. Like you have the capabilities to do it. And the more you do it, again, you're adding more boards to that bridge. It's getting stronger and stronger. And eventually you'll have this super strong bridge and you'll have practiced it. And you could go from one side to the other as quickly as you want. And sometimes a board might get rotten and things will come up but it does get easier. And that's something I'm still working on, which is why I can speak to this. I just wanted to reiterate that to people that even if you identify as a people pleaser now, it doesn't mean you always have to be a people pleaser. It doesn't mean like, just because you struggle with boundaries now, doesn't mean you always have to be that way. This is something that you can learn. Joss has given us a wonderful structure to start that process. And just like anything else, it's a skill that you can practice. So I just wanted to give you that sense of hope because I was the people pleaser. I was the person who struggled with boundaries and I've used this structure that she's talking about and reconnected with myself and learned these, the vocabulary of emotions and feelings and needs and actually started communicating in a way that people could actually do something with rather than just, I'm angry. Okay. What do we do with that? When you follow her structure, it becomes a more productive conversation. And when it's productive, it's like a positive spiral, like it gets easier, like you see results, so you're more motivated to do it. So I just wanted to state that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we're coming to a close, Joss, if there's anything that maybe you feel you would like to say to the audience, and if not, that's okay too, and where we can also find you. Where are you yeah. on these interwebs? <laughs> yeah. So one thing I will say is if you would like to have a list of feelings, you know, you can always look it up on Google. That's fine. But if you'd like to have that clear list that we were talking about earlier, please let me know that. Um, It's very easy to get in touch with me at Dr. Dawson Hart on Instagram. And similarly, I have a very pretty looking um, boundaries worksheet that I use when I'm speaking at events or teaching other people in my containers to use this. So if that feels like something that would be helpful for you tangibly to have and see in front of you, please just ask for it. I'm more than happy to give that to you guys. Um, Hopefully this podcast gave you a really, really good foundational understanding of boundaries and hopefully gave you a couple nuggets to take home. So all I will say is power to you in using your voice. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. You know, you may shake in your boots the first 20 times, you know, but the thing is, you can do this. You can do this. You can do things that are hard because you ultimately have the resources and the strength to do that. And you build resiliency every time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I will be sure to leave your contact information and all that down below because everyone who's listening, I would highly recommend, even if you feel like you're pretty good with boundaries this will give you a whole new vocabulary that you can start exploring. And it's a really, it's a golden lifesaver tool. So I'll leave those details down below. Thank you so much, Jaws, for being here. As always, I enjoy talking to you. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And perhaps we'll have you on the podcast again. Beautiful. Sending love. Guys, thanks for listening. For more info on Food Freedom Formula, hit up my website, drjocelynhart.com, to snag the deets to help you stop emotional eating and feel confident in the mirror again. I also update additional resources on my website all the time to help you succeed. Lastly, for more content like this, follow me on Instagram at drjocelynhart.com.